I'm Pastor Melissa. Tony and I shepherd the church together, and it's such a privilege to get to share the Word of God with you guys during this season of light. I love that, this Christmas season. Um, The title of my sermon is The Word Became Flesh. You can write that down if you're a note taker, history maker. Okay, and we're also going to be in John 1. So go ahead and turn to your Bible there. Uh, John chapter 1, the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John will be there. That could be pretty easy to find. But I'm going to tell you now we're going to be in so many other places in the Word. So for your convenience, we have all of these scripture references where we're going to be today already on the PowerPoint for you. So you can write those scripture references down. I want to flood your hearts with the Word this morning really as an appetizer of this awesome announcement that we are going to make towards the halfway point of my sermon. So you need to dial in and be ready for this, okay? Because we're excited about something, an initiative of SOMA for 2021. And we'll, we'll let the cat out of the bag in a minute. Or if you had friends who came last night, you might already know. But that's okay. So something that you may not know about me is that I was born on the matriarch of our family's birthday. Okay, Granny Clifton was born March 3rd, 1911. And uh, she was a force. She was gracious and strong. And she raised four kids um, in, in incredible dire circumstances. And then in March 3rd, 1974, I was born on her birthday. That was pretty special. My mom, I think, actually made that happen because this was such a special lady and she wanted me born on her birthday. Cleo Emma Sue Clifton, in fact, our daughter Emma Kate is named after her. That's where we got part of her name, was from my grandmother. And I had 21 years of birthdays with her before she passed away. And that's pretty legit because in in a lot of the families, there were five generations represented That's a lot of people celebrating, you guys. That's a lot, a lot of family that I don't know their names, okay? So I have 21 years of birthdays with her, so that means these pictures, archives of photos of me sitting in her lap with the birthday cake, right? Me standing beside her, and there's a birthday cake. As I get a little older, we're standing holding up the birthday cake. I mean, I'm not kidding, 21 years of photos of she and I together. But it wasn't until I got a little older that I made this realization, okay? There's this one particular uh, birthday, and it was probably I had learned how to read and I'd become a little more socially aware of what was happening around me, okay? And I looked down and on, on this beautiful sheet cake for our birthday, it's just, I guess the, the ladies all went in, really broke the bank, and bought a store-bought cake. They always made homemade. This was a store-bought cake, right? And it was a sheet cake. It was white and it had this beautiful green frosting pop, piped around the edges. And then these green frogs, because she collected frogs. You guys have a grandma that collects figurines? We all got one when she died, so yeah, the frog figurine. So there's frogs on there, and then beautiful scrolled icing, it says, Happy Birthday, Granny. And then in handwritten gel ink at the bottom, it says, And Melissa. And my name was spelled wrong. And I just had this startling realization that I might have been an afterthought in this whole thing. Like, maybe all of these birthday celebrations weren't equally 50-50 about her and I. It was really about celebrating her and, oh yeah, it's Melissa's birthday too, okay? But before you feel sorry for me, don't. It's okay. I grew up feeling very loved and still feeling very special that I was born on her birthday because she was the best and she made me feel amazing. But that story came to my mind as I was preparing for this message, knowing that we're anticipating Christmas, celebrating the birth of Jesus. And Christmas has become very commercialized, right? It's really the secular world has missed the point completely. 
And that word becoming flesh feels like an afterthought, handwritten and gel frosting, oh yeah, and happy birthday, Jesus. And I thought about that, that the birth of Jesus and why he even came gets overshadowed, really in the excess and in the commercialization and the secularization of Christmas. So many people miss the point and actually don't even realize why we celebrate Christmas. And I'm grateful that we do. Now, Jesus probably was not born on December 5th to 25th, right? Y'all know that, right? That's probably Hallmark that made up that date. I don't actually know who made up that date. He was probably born on a feast if we were going to really, really uh, get historical. But we have reason to celebrate. Some people look a little down on the Christmas season because of the secularization of it. But we have reason to celebrate the word becoming flesh, right? We have reason to celebrate the birth of the Messiah. And that's not just one time a year. This is something we have to be intentional in celebrating, not just at the Christmas season, but really every season of our life. The word became flesh. So I want us to read about that in John 1, the full story of the word becoming flesh. And again, we're going to be in a lot of different places, but I want you guys to read this right here. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. He created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, So that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. Your your version may say the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. You guys know that John's mom was Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, and they were actually uh, pregnant at the same time. And Elizabeth's baby inside of her, which was John the Baptist, leapt when they came in contact with each other. An unborn baby was the first to celebrate Messiah. I want you to think about that. An unborn baby recognized and celebrated the birth of Messiah. That's a life in there. That is a life in there. That is, I did not mean to make that point, but it uh, just came to me. Verse 16, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God But the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. 
The word became flesh. He came. Why? Why did Jesus need to leave? Who was in the beginning? The word who was in the beginning, who created all things with his word, who's holding all things together. Why did he need to come? You guys need to know preeminently above all other reasons, Yeshua, our rescuer, our deliverer, our savior came to save. He came to save the world preeminently to reconcile the world back to God. And does the world still need saving? It absolutely does. The word of God that we celebrate and read and get encouragement from, Jesus' inspired words from Genesis to Revelation, because all scripture is inspired by God, this only makes sense, you guys, and it's only going to make sense to the world when we don't separate it from the essential doctrine of his salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. You cannot separate it out. You can't pick and choose. You can't just love the life of Jesus and his kindness and his compassion and not remember that he came to save, to save us from death and destruction, from hell, and to reconcile us back to God. Make no mistake, God sent his son to save the world and people still need saving. They need the gospel the gospel message. The church has gotten so far away from the gospel message, they just want to make people feel good and let grace, grace, grace cover it. But you know Jesus still came to save and people still need saving and they need the good news of the gospel. And we can give it to them. We get to be ambassadors of that and share the gospel with people around us. So preeminently why the word became flesh, it's to save us, to reconcile us. But I want to give you two more reasons to ponder over this holiday season of the word becoming flesh, why the word became flesh. And the first one is this, so that God would be made visible. In verse 18 here, he says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, it's Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. And while God had been invisible in the Old Testament narrative. He did make himself known to people. There were times that he did encounter different people, even pre-incarnate Jesus, because remember, Jesus was the word at the beginning, right? He was there at the beginning. It wasn't until the birth when he came down that he became the incarnate Jesus, but pre-incarnate Jesus actually showed up throughout the Old Testament narrative. We know that he was there at the beginning and all things are held together. You know, he, the, the, that God himself, he encountered the different patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. Maybe you don't know this, but that rock in the wilderness, the rock that followed them around, that's a capital R rock. That was pre-incarnate Jesus that was in the wilderness with them. Jesus is all over the tabernacle and all over the sacrificial system. Did you know he himself appeared to the prophets and gave them the inspired word of God to warn Israel, to warn Judah. So he had made himself known to man, but God knew he needed to send the word in the flesh because God needed to be made visible to the world so that they would have no excuse. Listen to what Hebrews 1.3 says. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature, upholding all things by his powerful word. He is the exact representation of the Father, of God, creator God, not a partial representation, an exact representation. 
So when we see Jesus, we see God. Look at what John 14, 9 says. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? He's like, you're looking at him. I and the Father are one, right? 1 Timothy 3, 16 Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. That should be memory verse for 2021, you guys. That's some good stuff, and that's a great prayer, that this is indeed what we confess. We confess that this is who Jesus is and was And while he did return to the Father, and Scripture tells us that, right? After his death, burial, and resurrection, he had 40 days of of him visiting before he's taken into glory. And we know this, and we know that he's gone and he's sat at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for us, which is awesome. But he didn't remove his word from us. He didn't remove himself from us. The word came, and it tabernacled in our hearts. It's dwelt here among us. The writer of Hebrews had this revelation in 4.12. He says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces and it discerns. This is what the word of God does. It's living. It's active. It's alive. It's still a part. It's still here. It's not drifting in some cosmos in heaven somewhere. The word of God still dwells among us. The invisible God has been made visible through his revealed word of God. It's active and it's living. Look at what John 6, 63 says. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Can I get an amen? Amen. How helpful has your flesh been lately? It is no help whatsoever. We need the spirit. And he says it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Alive with the pulse beating inside of you, dwelling inside of you. Aren't you glad for that? And the word of God's not only active and alive, it's not only the spirit and the flesh. Listen, it's not going anywhere. Did you guys know that? That the word of God is here to stay? It's not going anywhere. It's 100% eternal. Nothing will be able to bring this word down. You should be, sell- we should whoop and holler on that one, you guys. Of all the lies and all the fallacies that we see in our world and all the things that come and go, because you know, facts change. Did y'all know that? Facts can change. The truth of God never, ever changes, and it is not going anywhere. Listen to what Psalms 119, 160 says. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Forever. We can't grasp that. The infiniteness of the word of God. Mark 13, 31 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Are you guys grateful this morning that the word of God is eternal? That the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that it is active and living and it is dwelling in our hearts? This is no mere book. This is not just history. This is alive. This is the invisible God made visible to us. It's awesome. The second reason the word became flesh is so that we could have fellowship with God. He wants fellowship with us. We've been talking about that, about the difference between relationship and fellowship. You can have a relationship with someone because of their position in your life, 
And God says, I don't want to just have a relationship with you because of my position. I want to have fellowship with you. And I'm going to be able to do that through my son and the work that he accomplished through his obedience. Not ours, his. John 14, 23 says this, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. He's like, you do what I say. You obey these commands, the inspired words of God, we'll come and dwell with you. We're going to come and live in your home. We're going to have fellowship together. Man, the world's missing that. You might be missing that. You might be missing fellowship with the living God. And he says, hey, listen, obey my words. Paul's quoting Leviticus 26 and 2 Corinthians 6, 16. He says, for we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. He wants to have fellowship with us. The book of 1 John, there's the gospel John that you've been in. There's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John 1, 7 John 3, 24, John 5, 3, and 5, 20. All of this, the whole book is a case study in knowing, studying, and obeying God's word as the key to remaining in fellowship with him. And I wanna give you guys a challenge in your own personal lives and in your family lives in this Christmas season. Study the book of 1 John. Read it aloud as you are anticipating in this Advent season of anticipation, we're celebrating now the Advent of his first coming, but we're looking towards his second coming, aren't we? And 1 John is such an encouragement in this of how to remain in fellowship with God. It's by remaining in his word. Jesus, the living word, made this possible by the power of the Holy Spirit, and Peter knew this. He knew this. Listen to what he said in 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21. He said, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, I want you guys to say that, because of that experience, because the word had become flesh, because an invisible God had been made visible, listen to what he says, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. They'd been studying these prophets for thousands of years, hundreds of years. Listen, these prophets were the messengers and mediators between God and the kings and Israel and Judah. And they were warning, warning, warning them. And he's like, you need to pay close attention. We have even greater confidence. Pay close attention to what they wrote. Don't skip over those prophets. Don't skip them. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in our hearts. Listen, they'd been studying those prophecies and they quickly realized that Jesus Messiah fulfilled every single one of those messianic prophecies. And they're like, hey, even more reason. He had spoken to us. He had showed us through his revealed word. 
He says, their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. They didn't make that up. Let me tell you guys, if you've read the prophets at all and you've heard their sto- read their stories and what they had to tell a rebellious, stubborn people who stoned them and exiled them and made fun of them and completely disregarded them, there is no sane person on earth that would make this up and then go and share this story for nations to reject them. These were the inspired words of God and they were inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit to go and give these words so we don't disregard them. They have power for us. He says, no, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. We want to hear what they have to say because you know what they have to say applies to us today? And did you know we are right on schedule with what's happening in the world? Did you know God told us through the prophets what would happen? Did you know that when we read the active and living word of God, we can see and understand and discern from the times and the things that are happening all over the world, but specifically Israel We are right on schedule for his return. None of this should take us off guard. There can be shock and awe. But we were told this. 1 John 5.20 says this. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. We live in fellowship with the true God. You can have fellowship with the true God and depending on your idea of who God is. Maybe he's way unapproachable. He's an old man, ancient old man on a throne, and there's no way to have any kind of relationship or fellowship with him. But he says, you can have fellowship with the true God because you're having fellowship with me. And he says, and he tells his disciples this in John 15, that remaining in his word was the same thing or equivalent to remaining in him and having fellowship with him. It's through the word of God. It's powerful. It's incredible. We have to get in his word. And we want to stay in fellowship with him. That is the key to it, you guys, being in the word. I hope you're convinced. I hope that you're convinced in your heart. I hope that the word of God, which has way more influence than my words could ever have, have have convinced you of the power of the transformation that the word of God brings in our lives. We have a goal here at SOMA for 2021 and beyond. It's really an initiative for every individual and family to remain in fellowship with God through his revealed word, strengthening our faith, and standing firm in his truth. You guys, we're going to need it. The days maybe have seemed dark to you, but did you know they get darker? There are dark days coming and staying in the light will be the difference between life and death. We got to run to the marvelous light, guys. There's a reason why people don't like the light because it exposes sin and they'd rather just be in the shadows. The world would prefer the darkness because they don't want their sin and their rebellion confronted. They don't want the gospel, but they need it. They need the gospel. Psalms 119, 130 says this. It's not up there, but just write this scripture down. The teaching of your word gives light. So even the simple can understand. 
There should just be way more amens and hallelujahs because I don't think, to my knowledge, we have any biblical scholars in the room. Some of y'all are pretty smart, but some of you are like, yeah, I just got saved. So. so even the simple can understand, children can understand the word of God. Did you know that? Because the teaching of the word gives light. So even the simple can understand. We should be so encouraged by that. Because I think so often we're intimidated by the word of God. Like, where do you start? How do you begin? Where do you study? I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. Did you know the teaching of the word gives light so that even the simple can understand? You need to tell the Lord that. Be like, hey, guess what? I'm simple. I need you to bring light. I do it every morning. We got to be able to discern what's true. And to do that, we got to know what's true. And you guys, you can't say God isn't speaking to you when your Bibles have remained closed. You can't say, I, I don't, I don't, I can't, I'm having a hard time knowing what God's saying and you haven't picked up the word. He's speaking. It's one of the best ways he does speak to us. We try to find answers somewhere else and I'm like, have you opened your Bible? You can't say he's not trying to talk to you. Something that I'm super excited about. I want to tell you kind of a backstory. Um, back in 2004, Tony and I went to visit um, our home church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Pastor Eric and Susan Hewlett are overseeing elders here. They were here a few weeks ago. Their church was a part of the Foursquare Gospel. And as an initiative in all of the churches, they had these Grace Life journals that are SOAP journals, S-O-A-P. And so I, they handed me one, and I couldn't wait because I had done precept Bible studies before and different types of Bible studies, and I tried studying the Bible on my own, but there was something about this Grace Life journal, this soap journal, that just really, the Lord used it in my life, and I began to use this technique of studying the Bible back in 2004, and it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. I just started discipling groups of girls through that we were youth pastors at the time. I would just disciple whoever wanted to to come around the table. And this has been a technique that I've used in my own personal study. It's how I teach my kids to study the word of God. I don't even know how many books Canon's already soaked, which is pretty impressive for being 16. But this technique has been one of the most transformative things I've ever done in my life. And I've consistently soaked through the Bible since 2004. And it's really been a dream, and I knew, Tony and I just felt like we wanted everyone to be in the Word this year. And so, with the help of Morgan Matthews, our office uh, secretary uh, superstar, really, um, we designed our own Soma soap journal. Isn't that so cool? I'm, I'm super excited about it. It has our, our vision statement, choose the way, know the truth, live the life on the front. And um, we are going to have these available for you guys for purchase after the service. And I want to tell you that um, the greedy congregation last night already bought half of them. So, but there should be plenty and we can order some more. But I want to walk you guys through this uh, soap journaling process. It's very self-explanatory, but I want to show you just so that it's for on the record how we soap. So we don't need that page up quite yet. In your soap journal, you'll have different kind, you'll, there's 365 pages for you to soap in case you want to soap through the Bible in a year. 
This journal is compatible with any Bible reading plan. You may have a Bible reading plan that you like. Um, For your convenience, uh, the NLT one-year Bible uh, reading plan is in the back of this one. You don't have to use the NLT. I like that one. But the reason why I picked the NLT Bible reading plan is because it gives you the Old Testament, and there's a picture of that one, uh, the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs each day. All right, so you can do the old, a little bit of all. A couple years ago, I did the chronological. That was a beating. Everyone should do it at least once in your life. You know, chronological in a year. You don't get to the New Testament till September 24th. So it's rough, okay? So I was glad to get back to Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And you just check off each day. I want to tell you guys that in 15 minutes or less a day, you can read through the Word of God in a year. In 15 minutes, you guys. You can read the entire revealed word of God, which is active and living, invisible God, made visible to us. The way and means we are fellowshipping with God, we can do that in 15 minutes. And I want to encourage you and challenge you like I did our family last night. Don't tell me you don't have time. You can spare 15 minutes. You could read that in the line at Starbucks. You have time to read the word of God, you guys. And even if it's not the Bible in a year, maybe just for experiment's sake, set a timer the next time you pick up your phone and you scroll through social media and time it and see how long it took you. You scrolled through or got down the rabbit's hole on YouTube, fails. Or you binge-watched a Netflix series. I'm going to come down a little hard on you guys because I need you to understand the importance and the fact that you have time to get in the Word of God. To read His encouragement and correction to us every day. You can do this. You do have time. You do. So I encourage you guys to do that. So it doesn't matter if you are doing a one-year Bible study. Maybe you just want to, as a family, you're like, we're just going to make it through the Psalms. That's awesome. Or maybe as a family, you're like, we're just going to try to get through the Proverbs. Awesome. Maybe you want to start in the New Testament. Incredible, you guys. Just start. Start that. Maybe you're like, you know what? I just want to start in the Gospels. Do it. If you want to study a few verses a day. You know, the first time that I soaked through the Bible in a year, It took me, I didn't do it in a year, I just did it chapter by chapter. I did one chapter at a time. It took me a few years to do it. It filled up 13 moleskins of soap journals. But I did it because I was like, I want to break this down chapter by chapter. So I was super excited to get to the one-year Bible reading plan. It's awesome. So what you do is you just read the passage of Scripture for the day. Now you can turn to that. This is a little soap sample As I said, S stands for scripture, O is observation, A is application, P is prayer. And you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and reveal Jesus to you. Don't skip this step, okay? So often we're just like, okay, gotta read, gotta read. Now what's next? Stop and take just a couple of seconds and say, Holy Spirit, would you activate, illuminate these words? Reveal what you want me to learn. Because you know what? His ways are higher than our ways, right? 
And we don't lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we're acknowledging him, right? And so ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me in today's reading, even if it's just a verse, if it's just a proverb? As you read, this is step two, underline anything the Lord impresses upon your heart as a personal word to be applied in your life. When you read with an open heart, the Lord will give you words of encouragement, direction, and correction. This is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures inspired by God, and it is useful for, did you know of all the things it's useful for, it is to tell us what is wrong in our lives and to teach us what is right. Do y'all need that? I need that. I need more than internal reflection telling me what's going wrong in my life. I need the light of the Lord, the lamp of the Lord, the word of God to illuminate into the places where I need some correction. I need some challenging. I need some encouragement. I need some rebuke and I need challenge. And that's what the word of God does. So as you're going through and you're reading through your passage of scripture, highlight or underline or circle something that you just feel like the Lord impresses on your heart there. Step three, when you finish reading, turn to a fresh page in your daily pages. And don't you love that feeling when you turn to a fresh page? You know what I mean? You're like blank canvas, sky's the limit. What's the Lord going to write? And even if you aren't a nerdy journaler, that's really okay. But we encourage you guys to get in there, get involved. And, and as I say with my kids, just wallow in it. Get involved in it. So you can see on this sample page that you're going to write the date and your topic, which is your a title or a theme of whatever that soap journal entry, and then the scripture reference, the part that really stood out to you guys. Don't skip that either because you want to be able to look back and be like, hey, you know what? I remember when the Lord showed me that. And as you flip back through them, and your topic or your title is really important too because as you, you may be having a conversation with a friend or a family member and you're like, man, I just read about this. Something that would encourage them. And you flip through your journal and you see up there, that's right. The mercy and compassion of the Lord. I know exactly what scripture I want to encourage this friend with or write a note. So do those little things. You'll be surprised at what that little method and the order of that method does for you. And then you write, physically write out the scripture verse. You're going to be amazed at what God will reveal to you just by taking the time to slow down and actually write out what you're reading. Okay, I don't know when the last time you've used a pen. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Every, nothing, do you even write anymore? Do people write? Everything's so text and digital. Did you know that there is something that activates in your brain when you write it down? Like we're kind of getting dumber. <laughs> With all this information and technology, somehow we can't remember, and I think it's because we just depend on Google and autocorrect, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> write it out. Any homeschool mom or teacher knows that when your kids have written it out, what happens? They remember it. We want to remember, we want to hide the word of God in our hearts, right? This is a step, a simple, easy step of getting the word of God in our hearts. So it's your scripture reference. The second one is observation. And I want to tell you right now, this is the hardest part, okay? Because you're having to get the context, the plot, or the scene of that portion of scripture right? You're, what do you see in the verses that you're reading? Who is the audience? Is there a rep repetition of words? What words stand out to you? This is an important step. Don't skip it because this is taking the words on the page and creating a picture or a movie in your head, right? When you've read a story, are you not visualizing something and you're putting it in the scope and context? 
So when you're reading the passages of Scripture, your observation isn't what you want to preach. Your observation is just what is happening on this page. You may be like, I observed Jesus was walking through a field of wheat with his disciples on the Sabbath. And I imagine Jesus or the disciples reaching down and breaking that. There's something. And do you know why it's important to make that observation step is because now that passage of scripture isn't just something on a page. It's something in your mind. You've created a story around that. And you'll remember it. You want to know how I know? Because y'all can remember scenes from movies you saw at three years old. You can remember pictures and snapshots. Think about it. Your memories are pictures and snapshots, are they not? They're not words on a page unless you have photographic memory. Bless you. But you can, you can do that. Did you know you can create the pictures in your mind? It's just another way that we hide the word of God in our hearts. It's an incredible step. Don't skip it, okay? The third one is application. And this is when God's word becomes personal. This is when you get to preach to yourself, Right? Or you're writing it thinking, I'm going to preach this to one of my family members. Don't do that. But, you know. So when it becomes personal, what is God saying to me today? How can I apply what I just read to my own personal life? What changes do I need to make? Is there an action that I need to take? Because you know what the word says? We aren't just going to be hearers of the word. What are we going to do? Be doers of the word as well. We don't want to just read this as a man looks in the mirror and then walk away and forget his reflection. That's what the scriptures say happens. But we want this to to have application in our lives. We want to hear it, and we want to respond to it. That's where the transformation comes, and that's application. And the P is this, pray God's word back to him. Do you know he loves that? You know the songs we sing are basically straight out of the Bible. They're lyrics from the Bible. Isn't that cool? And we pray and sing his words back to him. You know why that's so awesome and powerful? Because they're active and alive. They're living. It's, it's as real as our heartbeat, these words. If he's revealed something to you during this time in his word, pray about it. I can promise you he's going to reveal something to you, right? Maybe he's revealed sin. This is an awesome time to repent. Don't let that go unchecked. The enemy's going to try to heap shame on you. Maybe through the, this process of soap journaling, you're like, dude, I didn't realize that was an issue. Lord, forgive me. How awesome to take that to the cross right there in that moment of prayer. Turn back to the Lord in that area. That's S-O-A-P. One of my favorite pages in this whole soap, soap journal is the page right before all of the blank soap entries, and it's the scripture, John 17, 17. Your word is the truth, so let this truth make them completely yours. And that's our heart and our desire, right? To be completely the Lord's. And you know, he says, your word's truth, so let this make them. And you know why that's so important is because God knows and he taught us, this is how you're going to remain in fellowship with me. And not in fellowship with the world, in fellowship with the Lord. Would you guys stand with me? These are available for you guys to purchase for yourself, for friends, family members. They're $10. It cost us way more to make them, but we wanted to bless you guys with an affordable journal. There's at the kitchen and I think at the welcome booth, we do have one spot where you can pay with a card, but there's cash check. They're available till they're gone and until we order more. But we encourage you guys to make the word a priority.
especially as we go into this next year. And we wanted to put the tools in your hand because the word became flesh. Aren't you grateful for that? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the light. Thank you that we were once in darkness and that you brought us into your marvelous light. Lord, we all have a testimony of your faithfulness and the transformation of your word in our lives. And Lord, we want to say now that this next year, we want to grow in, our, in a deeper relationship and fellowship with you. And I'm asking now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us supernatural grace and strength to be diligent and committed in our time of study. Thank you, God, that your grace empowers us, and by your divine power, you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. So we receive that right now. Would y'all just receive from the Lord the divine power that he has given us through his Holy Spirit, through his word? We receive that right now, Lord. Where we fail, where we, we fall short, where we are weak, God, you are strong. You equip. You get us through. You build our endurance, Lord, and we say thank you. Thank you for that. We commit this time to you, Lord, and say thank you for meeting us here. We love to be in your house, and we love to be in your presence, Lord, and we ask that we would go forth and be a light into the nations in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, in our homes. We would bring the gospel to a hurting world who needs to be saved. Thank you, Emmanuel, God with us. We receive you today in Jesus' name, amen.